Welcome. We have a few people wandering in, but my name is Kent Brooks. I'm with Western Oklahoma State College. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, unplugging from the commercial software grid, a little bit of our strategic path, and, and some of the things that we find are important. Um, some interesting things have happened. Uh, I've been IT director at the Western Oklahoma State College, or chief technology officer, or hey you, sometimes, uh, since 1997. Uh, had a few years prior to that in, in IT. And some strange things have happened. Some very strange things have happened. This little chart is, is, is pretty fascinating to me. Um, of course, we see where we're rating user satisfaction over time. And the light blue line is uh, the rate at which uh, user satisfaction is improved with consumer technologies. The darker line relates to enterprise technologies and the rate of user satisfaction. And an interesting thing has happened. You guys as users can go find tools, open source and otherwise, that improve your life and your technology world at a much faster rate than I can provide them as an, at an enterprise. And that has really switched maybe in the last four or five years. Phenomenal things have happened, and you guys know this. By the way, this is already all available, and I'll show you a couple of places where it's available. The mind map that I used for the outline for this is available. The, the other part of the presentation is available, and so you can go there and find all this good stuff. Um, the other thing that I've observed over the last couple of years, there's really not, I don't know if I can do this right here like this. Oh, whoops, that wasn't good. Uh, there's not really one killer application out there. And you're seeing people, uh, even, even at the presentations you go here to here, you see people talking about one application that they use for uh, one thing, and then somebody else has come show you some other great application, and, and it's really pretty amazing to me. As, uh, as we, we look at this, and we learned, even in the last couple years, when you look at that first step chart, and then you think about what teachers need to teach school at uh, high school level, primary, university level, there's not just one thing that people are using. So we've got some interesting things going on in, in terms of this timeline and this uh, improvement in quality. And I'm going to go ahead and sneak over here to the laptop because uh, I'll use this for my mind map. And this links to the presentation, which is on the web, and it's in a tool called Prezi. We'll open that up. And we'll get to the next piece of this. And so you, you're wondering a little bit about this, uh, this issue of, of free software and all of that. And again, I, oh, you could also call this presentation "Why Free Is Better," even if you have a budget. Okay, this presentation is unplugging from the commercial software grid, aka free is good, even if you have a, a budget. Um, this is an interesting thing. And, and a, a lot of you should ask yourself this question. And this question scares me to death every time I ask it. And I ask this question to myself every single day. 
Why, when I want to learn something, do I go to Google instead of taking a class at college? And the reason that concerns me is because I work for a learning institution. And there's some tremendous pressures upon the learning institution that I work for and the learning institution you work for. But I mean, who has not had this experience in the last six months? How many of you have chosen to take a class? How many of you work at universities, colleges? How many of you have chosen to take a class to learn something at your institution versus going to Google to learn about the thing that you wanted to learn about? John, what, I'm going to poll. You're the first one ever. Yes, what, what is it? Anything pertaining to this. Okay, okay, all right. Um, long one. out about this is we're saying we're unplugging. We're not unplugged. There is a difference. I still like Microsoft. Yeah. Some people will go, oh, that's terrible. But, uh, uh, you know, they've done some really good things for software. Uh, in terms of our culture, our institutions, I think we're at a point where we probably ask this question. And we always ask, is there a free tool equal or better to the commercial product we're interested in? Thank you. And so a little bit in terms of, of, of developing a strategic path to get you to the open source world is, is changing the culture. Um, and again, back to this whole point, there's not just one way. Or one way is both directions. I'm not sure how you interpret that. Um, and there's lots of reasons why we do what we do. Uh, lots of stuff. There's lots of discussion about disruptive technology. Let me make sure I don't hit the wrong button. Um, down at the bottom, you see the, the newspapers. This, this is what I'm concerned about when I talk about the Google question. You see the line of, of, of newspapers down at the bottom? There's a website called newspaperdeathwatch.com, and you can go watch and find out which major newspaper is, is going down the tubes. And, and you know, there was a point even just a few years ago where people might have said, oh, large major newspapers are immune to being closed. They're, they're the distributors of information in our world. But you start looking at this, Rocky Mountain News, what I grew up reading, uh, Seattle Post and Intelligencer, uh, the Cincinnati paper, it goes on and on. And we, we know, we've seen reports of, the, of that going on. But there's lots of issues going on. Uh, this is our strategic plan. I, you know, I know I should just, you should uh, say, uh, well, this is a whole presentation. You shouldn't just give it all away on one slide, but let's look at this thing. Up at the top, I've got something called open aggregation. Now, I know Wes talked about aggregators and for, for, for information. Um, I, I guess I've kind of changed my interpretation of aggregation when I talk about this presentation because I talk about aggregating learning and teaching and content tools. And, and this little logo right there, Moodle, is what I'm referring to when I talk about open aggregation. It's an open source learning management system. Uh, we finished our conversion to Moodle fully July 2007. Um, last time I looked, uh, which has been a couple years ago, our licensing costs for where we would be if we were still using WebCT 
versus where we are right now using Moodle is uh, assume my right hand is Moodle, my left hand is WebCT, WebCT 80,000 bucks, Moodle zero. Baloney. You still have to have the people. You still have to have the people, regardless. That's a mood argument. You get, the staffing is the staffing is still there, regardless. Um, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But uh, that argument uh, is, is pretty interesting. But it's, it's, it's just it's just not true. Um, open collaboration. Well, I'm talking about Google Apps, Dim Dim, Jing. I'm talking about those collaborative tools. Open software, Open Office. Uh, the software for starting students project, which I'll get to in a little bit. Open communication. We're in the process of, uh, um, we're 98.9% sure we're going to convert our phone system to asterisk and open source PDX. Um, interesting, interesting capabilities in terms of uh, information gathering and uh, call center capabilities. Uh, open instruction. We've got uh, we've got one course in particular that I could talk about. We use it as, as a, uh, a a tool. Uh, we uh, to, to, to demonstrate how you can use a free book and a free software to deliver the course and our microcomputer applications online. We're delivering that course with Open Office and we give away the textbook. And then open content is even a bigger thing than that. You'll see some resources. They've been talked about in various places. Merlot, OER Commons. Uh, Merlot is probably the thing that introduced me to open content. Uh, the Open University of UK probably reinforced that. Some pretty tremendous things happening there. Um, since the question came up, let's, uh, I just happened to have a, a little bit of information. Let's discuss open source for a second. Um, the hazards of open source. Are those typically discussed as objections by experts about commercially produced software? And they always talked about they talked about support, legal issues, uh, insecure software. All those discussions always come up. And I would argue, I would argue, as you've already seen me arguing, that open source projects such as Moodle are perfectly viable from all of those perspectives. In general, when you look at this, I would argue that good open source projects, and, 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 and I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second also, are lit, written at least as well as commercial products. Sometimes some of the same people are involved. Uh, the open source communities enthusiastically support them with uh, very helpful developers uh, answering questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as opposed to as opposed to knowledge-free call centers for many of the commercial products that are out there. And now uh, they're transparently licensed. And, you know, once again, I, I, I would argue that we, we have the exact same staffing supporting Moodle as we had supporting WebCT. We ran them parallel for approximately three years. We had an interesting thing happen when we started talking about that whole situation. We uh, we always had questions for WebCT. We had a, supposedly a 24-hour response time. You would call, 
and they would get back to us. I mean, they, you know, we were paying. They would get back to us. But we started seeing response time for questions coming in at a, at a quicker pace for our open source tool, Moodle, we were running parallel because we would post a question and go to bed, and the question almost every single time was answered before we awoke the next morning. And again, I'm not saying that can happen with every open source tool that's out there, but again, I would also argue that anybody who's been involved in IT would say that the, the commercial products, the support issues, you know, are still, uh, you know, you're still often dealing with deeply buggy, poorly supported, and sometimes legally vulnerable issues. I mean, ask Microsoft, Google, all of those entities are, are always dealing with legal engagements. Um, it ends up being whether you're more, you know, it ends up being whether you're more comfortable having support uh, or not having support that you pay for. And this gets back further to the discussion. The good of this is that you have options. That's what I like about what's happening in the open source world and taking it strategically. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be strategic about utilizing open source and choosing a project, uh, I would say, you know, pick projects that demonstrate a significant user base. I think in the keynote, what's the, what's the, what's the date on, on Moodle right now? 32 million users. Uh, coders posting regular updates. You know, you backed up by venture capitalists, major companies, foundations. And uh, assuming, you know, assuming you've got a good uh, license that allows you to use. And notice that, uh, I, I guess we took a little bit of play. The bad of this is, is the guy in the garage who is writing code, distributing the, the, the uh, project, and uh, the license consists of use this as you wish. I think you really have to just look at those issues a lot and say, okay, is this a viable project? Now, there's a couple of projects that I've used in the past that are by garage-based coders. And, you know, they're fine, but the reality is that the guy who's writing the project that I like is the only guy in his garage and something happens to him on the freeway, you know, kiss the project goodbye. So, I mean, I think you have to look at that. The thing that I think is, 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 is too bad right now is not thinking that you have an option. And I mean, I, I see, this is less of an argument. I started throwing this out a couple years ago. Uh, but even as you see the discussions today, you see people out there going, you know, I don't, I don't have a choice and that's, that's not true. I mean, you don't see that. I think you've seen, as with the keynote, that there's more and more tools available and so there's more and more choices. Now, once again, here's my disclaimer about the pictures. I just have to throw that in here. I did this at a, at a session a couple years ago because I had a typo, and that's what they got me on in the evaluations. And so I say, you know, I'm probably going to uh, misspell something or, or something along that line. So just forgive me. I'll ask your forgiveness now, and we'll go on. Um, and that's kind of our philosophy in terms of, of the direction we're going. Uh, we are a Moodle shop. We are a Google Apps for Education shop. We run, we for, for web conferencing inside Moodle, we run DimDim, which if you go uh, talk to the folks at the Wimba booth, I would, I would offer it as an alternative. 
different, but is an alternative. Uh, we do use open office. We uh, are looking at an open source phone system, and we like where we're at. One of the things that I think it does, and if you talk about strategy and uh, the direction we're going, is it does allow us the opportunity to maybe focus more on content tools. And we're not, we're not, we're not at a point where uh, we're opposed to buying commercial product, products if they're going to help us. But again, I'm at a point where I would rather throw money at improving an instructor's ability to improve content within the content aggregator than to spend money on the content aggregator. Which again, in my world, content aggregator equals Moodle. So, you know, once again, there's several things that are happening. Um, as part of our commitment, and, and it's, it's, maybe it's more of, of a, I don't know, I can't say I'm putting my money, boy, somebody's being very persistent in my pocket trying to get hold of me. But I'll continue ignoring them, just for you guys. And so, uh, maybe it's our commitment to our, our uh, desire to improve content and our commitment to open source. The software for starting a students project is, is an interesting is an interesting thing that we've been working on. And uh, again, it's available for you for free. I have handed a CD to you just as an example because it is available on our website. And I'm going to go ahead and go to that, demonstrate this a little bit. What time are we done here? Oh, this is great. This, will, this could take a while. I think if you look on the back label, or the black back flap of the CD that I handed to you, we have a reference to the following website, free.wc.edu. Uh, that is the website that you're looking at right here. This CD is for Windows only, CD. But, I do want to point out something. We're going to talk a little bit about the back. This, this project was actually a Norwegian project. It was, uh, we didn't develop it. It wasn't our idea. But we uh, had the opportunity to take this project over. And uh, it's been a very good thing. You, as you read through the, the credits, you read through why we do this, it's really pretty simple. We found this software useful. And so we think you might too, and so we wanted to make it available to you. If you look over on the left-hand side, and I'm going to talk about how this thing is structured a little bit, arts and graphics, astronomy and space, computer science, games, internet, keyboarding, and down onto the list. Um, you'll see up at the top, uh, we have the Windows logo and the Apple logo. Uh, we do have a, I, I would call it a limited, Mac version of it. Uh, basically, how this is set up, it's set up so that you can go and download 
the disk image and burn the CD and distribute it to your students. That's really the whole idea. We have a label, we have the disk image, it's ready to go, download it, take it, use it. The Mac side is not ready. We're still working on that. And I'll go ahead and real quickly show you the Mac side. And you'll see it's more limited. So here's my challenge to you. How many Mac users do we have in the audience? One, two, three, four. Here's your job for me. Already signing homework, and that's how that, this stuff always goes. I would love to see more tools up there. Uh, if you have something that's free or open source, and once again, we don't really, we don't really uh, differentiate between these, but uh, uh, you know, most of it's open source. We would love to be able to provide a, a more full menu of Mac tools. And if you have tools that you would suggest or recommend, send them to us. We'll look at it, and uh, you know, probably we'll add it. I mean, if it's a good tool, we'll, we'll definitely add it, but we'll take a look at it. We've got a couple guys that work on this as their hobby. This is supported out of our IT department, and it's really the pet project of a couple guys that work for me. But uh, as we look at this a little further, I'll show you how all of this is structured. Somebody got me pick a topic, something you're interested in. Multimedia? Let's see what we have. What if I can't run the mouse? There's always a risk of that. Um, and it may be categorized wrong. That's fine. Tell me, and I'll, we'll, we'll take it into advisement. How's that? Uh, things like Audacity, Jing. Uh, Wink is the project. Once again, I love that project, but it's one of those open source projects one guy in the garage so something happens to him he's, we're, we're, we're going to run into a problem but we'll click on how we're doing this and again it's our opinion we don't uh, we don't ask for your opinion because well we uh, don't know why I just, just never have but we basically give a description of the tool our rating of its ease of use in most cases, we have a web link um, to both their home page and to a demo. And you'll see the green bar up in the upper right-hand corner for download now. We'll give you a quick and easy link to the download. Uh, some of these are hosted on our hardware. Some of them link to, their, to the products. It just, it just varies depending upon the tool. And uh, you basically go down, you can download it as an individual tool, and again, or if you were in a situation, and this is becoming, I mean, when we did this two or three years ago, it was sort of, people were really more excited about it, but I think we, we do probably have people more and more having access to the web, and so, you know, it's probably a lesser issue, but it's just kind of a nice little uh, tool that's available. If somebody needed to take this, download an image, distribute it to students, and we would encourage them to do so. Do you have any questions at this point? Yes.
um, a, like a full-blown video editor that's open source. Uh, Jahara, I believe there's, and again, it, there was a point in time a couple years ago when it wasn't quite ready, but Jahara was one, and uh, I'm not totally sure of the spelling on that, but uh, there's probably more out there, but it's not something we've looked at it, other than when we look at Jahara, we weren't really comfortable with putting it out there at that point in time. Does anybody else know of an open source video editor? Okay. Okay. Free but not open source. Which is, you know, again, you have access to that. But again, a very good tool. Okay. Good. Thanks. Does that help? Yes. Ah. Open source generally, in a, in a few words, uh, allows the code to be made available so that uh, if you were interested in in adapting the, the, the project so that it was customized to, to your needs, you, could, you as a coder could download it, make changes to it legitimately, legitimately and um, add functionality. Uh, the free software world you will have a tool which is like Ming. It's built by a commercial uh, or Jing. Ming and Jing. Oh. It's made by a commercial vendor. Yeah, they distribute. They make it available to you for free, but you will not have access to the source code and, and have the ability to change. That's kind of the short version. Um, the help. Any more questions? Yes. Excel? Like uh, just a spreadsheet? Spreadsheets? Uh, in terms of the open office world, they have a pretty good, uh, and I don't know really quite how to look at this. Uh, here's two office suites that we have available. I use open office every day. Yeah, I don't use, but again, open office has a spreadsheet called uh, Calc, uh, you know, same deal, 65,537 rows by 1,024 col columns. Uh, most of the functionality uh, has some additional functionality, allows you to export as a PDF, which uh, Excel doesn't, and uh, has one of those little hidden cryptic games. You type in a function, it's something Star Wars, and you can actually play Star Wars on your spreadsheet. But, uh, not, not really important, but again, Calc would be the, the, the first direction I would, I would direct somebody if they're looking for an alternative. Uh, some of the stuff, and I'm not sure if we should address it, we've not really addressed it in here. Uh, Google Apps, we, we, run, we run Google Apps for education, so the Google Spreadsheet is, is, is a little bit of an alternative, not near as much function, and I mean there's multiple other web-based spreadsheets. Zoho has one, but you don't have the functionality that a Calc or an Excel would have. The DIA spreadsheet, I'm not really familiar with it. We made it, we felt like we would make it available, but uh, uh, not sure of an exact comparison. Does Todd have the capability for online transactions? Like, if I have a student who's paying for and I want to show him how to do something on a spreadsheet, I'm a classroom, I'm a student, 
And, and share and share the spreadsheet live, live in real time. I would suggest looking at one of those web-based tools like uh, Google Spreadsheet or, or Zoho for a, a real live uh, interactive uh, experience. I mean, that, that would probably be a better choice. What else? Yes. You can, you, yeah, you, you have to save it as a uh, an Excel file. That's actually been one of the side benefits in the microcomputer applications course. One of the things we've done, because the reality is, if you're teaching your microcomputer applications course, you know that people will walk out of there and say, I'm going to be using Microsoft Office. I mean, it's a given. Uh, if they're working in some sort of uh, business or industry. And so one of the things that we've made a, a very conscious effort to do is to integrate a lot of experience in making those conversions. For example, it, this changes a little bit of the word processing side of things. Uh, you can save it as a Word document. And so even in, in the assignment, the assignment goes, you are submitting a cover letter to apply for a job at the job of your choice. The company you're applying to does not use OpenOffice. Save this as a Word document and submit. And so we, we do that. We also, for each and every assignment, we make them submit two assignments. The OpenOffice version and the Microsoft Office version. So that uh, every single time they submit an assignment, they get the practice of converting uh, those files. The thing that is done in that, that introduction to microcomputer applications, one of the things that I always found difficult was teaching file name extensions, um, getting people a, a real handle on that. That has actually allowed us to maybe do a better job of teaching that concept because, again, depending on the exercise, we force them to submit it as an open office document, a Microsoft Office document. And sometimes we force them to export it as a PDF, which, you know, once again, if you go on the web, you can download a document. It's probably a PDF. And so it, it's really kind of had a side benefit. I'm not sure we really intended it, it to be a better teaching tool about that concept, but it really has turned into that. What else? Um, yeah. Yeah. We uh we do. Uh, we've got a few a few people who have been exploring it. We're getting ready to buy uh, some licensing for Softshock. Yeah, and again, that's kind of our. When you talk about our strategic path, I'd rather spend two dollars on um, soft on Softshock than licensing the LMS. Um, you know, and we, for example, inside our learning management system, and it's been a little bit of a challenge. Has anybody seen the SitePal avatars? Um, we've been buying accounts individually for departments, and again, the whole idea, and there's all kinds of research on improving uh, understanding if there's odd voice and audio in, in an online course. And so we're, we're going to buy, we're, we've been buying individual accounts for, for that particular content tool. 
so people can deliver messages. And I've never found a real good way because all the invoices come back to the instructors or the department heads, and then they forward them to me, which has kind of been cumbersome. And so it's really a pretty simple solution, but we're going to buy a reseller account for the site file tools, and then I can manage the billing location. Um, turn it in. The anti-plagiarism tool. We just finished the integration with Moodle. Um, it's a, mo a Moodle module now. When somebody wants to uh, use that particular tool instead of uploading it to the website now, and Casey, is that working well? And so the integration really has just occurred in the last month or two. But uh, again, you know, I would I would think of that as a content tool or something to teach to help teaching. And so we've been looking at that and trying to uh, find ways to integrate within the LMS. Uh, Dim Dim is the same, same thing. If someone wants to do uh, web conferencing, and we, we have a couple little issues with that. Uh, we're, we're, we're changing some things. But uh, again, it's a module within Moodle. You click on Dim Dim, web conferencing is available to the instructor inside the learning management system. We're going to do the same same type of thing with Soft Chalk, the, the, the avatars. Um, if any of you guys have good content tools that you think would work well inside the learning management system, just tell me now, and uh, I need all the help I can get. So, rapid intake. Okay. Hey, we'll do this. We'll do this this way. You're gonna you're gonna get added right here. Rapid intake. R A P I D I N T A K E. And what does it do? Okay. This mind map is available to you. I'll show you where to get to it. Um, I do want to make sure I, I give you my contact info. I'll throw some cards here. But we'll throw this up here. All of this stuff is available uh, either at my WSC page, which I'll show you the link to, kentbrooks.com, some of the links back to that. And then here's my basic uh, Contact information. That's at Western Oklahoma State College, 2801 North Main, kent.brooks.wc.edu. Uh, this will be interesting. The, the 477777776 number is uh, uh, my, my direct line at the college. The number below that is my Google Voice number. So if you, if you, Call me at that number right now. I won't answer it. On that, but basically, it will send me an email, and I, it transcribes it. So I have the transcription of your voice message, and it'll send me a text, and so I can read your, I can secretly read your uh, voicemail while I'm giving this presentation. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun. And then again, like I say, uh, how I have this, I'll go ahead and go to the the WLC page because I do have everything here. Maybe. If I can click on the right spot. 
Ah, well. Let's try it that way. Maybe I'll, I'll go check that link. There it is. I got some of my presentations up here. The, this one is uh, the commercial software grid. That is that presentation of spinning and stuff. Anybody use that tool called Prezi? P-R-E-Z-I, Prezi.com. It's really pretty cool. You basically lob it. This is more my style. Um, I've seen a couple presentations. And Wes, Wes's presentation yesterday was about organizing your digital self. Well, this is, I'm, I hate to say this, but this is really more my style right here. You just lob everything. Uh, where did that thing go? Prezi is a pretty interesting tool. You basically can insert stuff. It doesn't allow you to hyperlink or anything like that very well. But all of this stuff is basically thrown on a page, and then you create a path from the various presentation uh, item. It's free, yeah. Of course it's free. What kind of... This is, you have to go to a different presentation to find it costs money. But it's just a pretty good tool. We've used it a lot for for effect. Um, am I on track? Oh, good. Yeah, how many books have you downloaded you think and utilized your service? You know, I've... We are. Uh, you know, we do have online folks who are utilizing it. Um, we are running Google Analytics on it. I've just not looked at it in a while. I don't really know. I should have. I can I can get you the info, but uh, it's been something that's uh, uh, it's been pretty popular in these presentations. And of course, just because of budgetary issues, it, it seems to be a more popular thing. Um, I'll probably now that you ask that question, I'll run back and we, we do run Google Analytics on almost everything, so free. Yeah, it's also free. Yeah. Um, more in environments like this, just trying to share that it's available. It's going to be more popular. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. Yeah. It, it depends. It depends on the day. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I. It, we were at the Textbook Evolution Conference in, in Tulsa, uh, hosted by Tulsa Community College and sponsored by the Regents for, uh, for Higher Education last Friday. I did this as a poster session, and I had a lot of response there because it ties real well into the whole e-content, e-book scenario, you know, but I mean, a lot more interest in it lately just because of, you know, obvious issues that we have. So, but I mean, like I say, if you want to use it, feel free. Can you talk a little bit about that as far as how you see the textbook evolving? I know Moodle is where you see the I don't think... Do you think it's a package as far as the textbook, or are you seeing a tool that 
Yes. I, I, my first comment out of the box was there's no killer app. And I'm not even going to argue. I, I, I'm, I'm done arguing about whether WebCT, Blackboard, D2L, Angel, and Moodle are better or worse. You know, in terms of core functionality, they do the same thing. There's not a nickel. You know, when it gets down to it, there's not a nickel worth of difference between what instructors generally use. Because who's taking a web-based course? All right. You've taken a web-based course. What were, the, what were the primary pieces of content in that course? Text and links. Text and links. Text and links. Text and links. And so in terms of core functionality of those learning management systems, it's almost irrelevant. It's just, it just is. Um, and so, there's no need to argue that over that. In terms of whether you should use Microsoft Office or OpenOffice, if you want to argue about which one's better or worse, I'll argue on both sides of those all day long also. Microsoft did more to bring consistent menuing to the world than anybody else out there. You know, I, I recall teaching about 100 years ago, Lotus 1, 2, 3, ProRide, something, and you had Corral, and you had th three products, three different menuing systems. Microsoft Office came along, you pretty much knew, file and edit on the left-hand side, help was over on the right-hand side, and there'd be some variation of your menus in between. And you know, there's the, the Mac versus the PC argument, whatever. Microsoft brought it to the consumers. And, and so, there's not one killer app there. Uh, the software, what do you, if, if uh, Adobe Photoshop is a better tool for you versus Paint.net or GIMP, which you can download for free, great. There's not one killer app. And getting to your question with all of that, um, I don't think there's one killer delivery mode at this point. Um, Dr. Bonk talked about 5%. Availability for ebooks this year, 15%. You know, everybody's situation is much different. In, in, in that open office world, I just happen to be fortunate that, the, that Gabriel Gurley, and I'm going to go ahead and give him credit because this guy is great. He gives away the book, but he does sell it. I need to call him and see, see, what, see how that's impacting. Uh, see how that's impacting sales of his book. Open ebooks, and again, if you want that book, you just go. You can go to the Open Office site. I've got several different uh, electronic textbooks here that are pretty interesting. But if you go to, this is where that Open Office book is available. And so, you know, I think I just didn't know how to run this in IE uh, operator error before. But again, that's, this is the guy that's, that's written and is giving away open office textbook. And so he's made it available. Some other disciplines simply have not made the tool available. And so I think it's a combination at this point where we don't have a killer solution for content. We have some situations where the traditional textbook will still be a better choice. We have a, some situations where go to the web, filter the material that you can best utilize from the web. Sometimes you can buy a an e-textbook, which will be half price of the regular text. I mean, all of those are very viable solutions. I mean, I, I just don't buy into there being, again, one killer content solution yet. What do you find 
I think it's happening naturally. We've run into some issues. And, you know, we're doing accelerated online stuff where uh, the ebook, the, the web content, the open content becomes a more critical issue because you can't afford to lose two days in a, you know, in a course that's a couple of weeks. Whereas in, in the 16 week traditional delivery, it doesn't matter as much. But, um, it's more of a natural progression. I'm not sure we're I'm not sure we're handling that as well as we should, but uh, uh, you know we're looking we're obviously looking at more ebook and, and free content online resources. Is it about time? Well, I'm sad because I like talking about this stuff. Um, again, I have more CDs. Does anybody not have a CD? Who would want one? I have some business cards available, and all of this stuff is available both at the wsc.edu and I have my kentbrooks.com. But again, here's, here's the problem. If you go to kentbrooks.com and you get some sort of error, it's because I haven't paid for a hosting solution. And I really, no, I, it's a name site, and I really have tied it to my domain name, but I just haven't, I just haven't bought hosting space, which I'll probably do one of these days. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it.